we do have a little bit different, well, kind of a different service today. Um, we are going to have uh, Abby come and share for a little bit, 10 or 15 minutes, and then um, I'm going to talk for about 10 or so minutes, and then we're going to have uh, a couple testimonies, and then we're going to finish with the song and do some uh, baptisms. Why we got the, the pool out today. Um, so we're going to begin with Abby. I think uh, if you're very new here, you may not know who Abby is, but if you've been with us for the last number of years, you will know who Abby is. Uh, she has meant a lot to this place and um, in, in many ways has been an apostle to this church and has helped shape this church in a lot of ways. Uh, part of the reason the church is the way it is is, is thanks to Abby. You know, Abby's done a lot of mentoring in my own life and has been really uh, big, big in this place. But she is going through a bit of transition, and so she's going to come up and share with us a little bit. on the altar of religion. That people shunned us and we stunk because we didn't fit the Christian mold of perfection. And I, uh, I struggled with whether I could ever be a part of a body again. And I mean sitting with a group of believers. I love God with all my heart. I knew that would never be something that would be compromised in my life, my faith. I knew God and it was far too real for me to just walk away from it because a man betrayed me. So my faith was set. My eyes was locked on the prize. Uh, um, I was shaken, but I was not crushed. I was not pressed down. There was sorrow in the night, but joy came in the morning. God showed me his ability to restore. And uh, for those of you who know me, you know me, my strong message and the theme of my life has always been identity. You've got to know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, the enemy's going to take you out. You've got to know what you believe. Because if you don't believe, if you can't stand for something, you're going to fall for everything. And the third way in which I lived my life was that you've got to know God's ways. Because if you, if you don't know God's ways, you're going to be led astray. And I knew that one thing, that God was for me and not against me. I knew that God loved me and he was going to give me a future and hope. And I didn't know how it looked like when it stunk so bad and the fire was so hot. 
But I said to him that if I endure my fire, it's going to be your job to make sure that I don't smell like smoke. <laughs> that's, that's been my contract, my covenant conversation with God. And then for those of you who know, four years after, I was abandoned and, and my, all my family is in South Africa. So here I am with three girls, don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. Hydro is cut off in the home. I mean, it, it, was, it was harsh. It was very harsh. Four years later, God gave me the gift of a man called Terry, which many of you know. And God really used him to bring healing. Um, at that point, Terry said to me, because he knew there was a calling on my life. For those, and I don't say this pridefully, but those of you who walk with me, you know that what is in me just oozes out of me. I can't contain it, I can't stuff it down, I can't act like I'm something that I'm not, like, you know, I'm just me. And, um, and so finally he said to me, he says, I know that your faith is important to you. And right now you're not attending church. But he says, when you are ready to go to church, I'll go with you. And he started coming here because, of course, he knew Dean Simonoff, who was his financial advisor. And um, over time, we started to come. And, and I really, I would come, I would sit in the back row, I would sit on my hands, and I would leave early so that nobody could accost me. I really wasn't sure that I could trust a body of believers. I had been far too injured, far too betrayed, far too rejected. And um, I remember one day, the Holy Spirit came upon me as we were praying, and that, in, I remember back in the days, we would have general prayers quite a bit. And the Holy Spirit came upon me and he challenged me. And he said, Abby, you know truth that the body of Christ here needs. They need to know who they are and they need to know how to fight. And they need to know their sense of value and worth. And I remember sitting on my hands and I didn't want to pray and I didn't want to pray and I didn't want to pray because I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be seen. And when I felt the Holy Spirit come on me and this prayer, this magnificent, massive, ginormous prayer came out of me and I remember the whole body go, amen. And, and I was like, oh gosh. Open the door, I'm running because I don't want anybody talking to me. That really was what my internal story was at the time. But pretty soon people came around me and they were like, we love you and we want what you have. And I didn't have to fight to belong and I didn't have to fight to be accepted. But the thing that was so beautiful about this church was that there was doctors and lawyers and nurses and people on welfare, people hurt and broken and bruised and addicted. But when you walked in here, there was no hierarchy. There was no sense of pride. There was no, I'm better than you. And it was the most beautiful thing to come in and be a part of you and be hidden with you. God really began to uh, heal and restore and show me his love as I worshiped with you. But... Pastor Jesse and of course had come to know me and we would have lots of times of conversations and he would often say, are you, are you ready to speak yet? And I don't know if you remember this, but I would say, no, 
I'm not ready to speak yet. I, I don't want to speak. I don't want to be seen. And one day, Pastor Jesse preached a message. And he said, God has written many checks, but there are dual signatures on the check in order for that check to be effective. And I'm summarizing grossly. And he says, I wonder how many uncashed checks there are because you haven't signed off with God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that hit me in the gut. And I drove home weeping and I said, God, okay, if you want me to be seen, I'll be seen. I won't hide from my call anymore. I'm going to cash this check with you. And I think shortly after that, I spoke for the first time in church and had to go through some fires of resistance. Even then, the call was being tested. But if I, if I want to leave anything with you in the transition Terry passes, God continues to bring restoration because it's so important when adversity comes that you know who you are in God and who God is in you. If I can leave anything with you as a church, is that you have to know who you are in God and who God is in you. To the Hebrew boys, he's what, he was the third man in the fiery furnace. And so I read a book about 20 years ago and I didn't realize how much it was going to prepare me for the journey in the fires I was gonna walk through. The book, talked about in life, there are campers, there are quitters, and there are climbers. It's, the, it's, co it's called the adversity quotient. It says some people experience adversity and then they find a plateau and that's where they <coughs> camp for the rest of their lives. Others experience adversity and they quit. But the ones that climb have learned how to use the fuel of adversity to climb. Okay. You have to be able to use your adversity as fuel to climb. And if we are called to a life of ascent, then why is the base of the mountain always overcrowded? You know my journey, you know my story, you know that there was enough power in some punches to take me out. But I made a determination a long time ago that I was a climber. That I was going to use fuel, the fuel of adversity to keep climbing. And there's another principle that I've lived my life by. And again, I'm just sharing my life with you today and hoping that you catch something. Is that whenever God takes you into a season, he leads you in and he'll lead you out that you'll never have to escape, you'll never have to run, you'll never have to avoid something, even if it's difficult. I remember when Terry passed, people said to me, are you gonna stay in Nelson? And I didn't know, it was too soon, I didn't know. Every part of me wanted to run, every part of me wanted to hide, but I knew God too well. And the Bible says that you will be led forth with joy and you'll be led out in peace and the mountains and the hills will break forth before you. And that there'll be sounds of joys and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. And so whenever God is leading you into a new season, 
even though there's pressure, there's this wonderful, wonderful release of joy and you feel the leading. You don't have to run, you'll be led. And about a year and a half ago, I met with a man of God who I'd known for over 20 years. I'd written a forward in his book. I'd even forgotten that I'd done that because that's how God works with me. He, I say things and speak things and touch people and I move on and I don't even know. I don't remember until they remind me. And he said, oh, you wrote this forward in the book. And I was like, whoa. And right now he's written about 30 books and very well known all over the world. But as I sat with him in his office, he said, Abby, I just, I have to speak a word to you. He said, Trill and Nelson was your wilderness. You had a husband abandon you, and you had a husband die on you. And he said, if you were able to flourish in the wilderness, can you imagine how much you are going to flourish when the Lord leads you into your place of land? I knew very strongly in my heart that that a change was coming and I didn't know how and I remember speaking to Pastor Jesse and Marie shortly after them and telling them about that experience and that's another thing I've tried to really track and remain accountable to the spiritual leadership in my life and uh, over time God brought me a, a gift in the person of I believe is a man who's, you know, the Bible says Peter actually means the rock, and I really believe that he's a stabilizer that God brought into my life. And uh, in August of this year, he proposed to me. <laughs> and uh, October, middle of October, our brother Craig there helped get my stuff to Langley. And we will be married on January 3rd. <laughs> means that in the most magnificent uh, way I'm being led out of the Kootenays to Langley and uh, I just didn't want to be that person I said to Pastor Jesse it's very important to me relationships are important to me I don't want to be in your lives and then just disappear and you don't know so it was important for me to honor you this morning because I've shared my life so freely with you in the past and you with me and so I just really wanted to have the opportunity to honor you with this parting story and, and uh, exhortation about how my prayer for you is that you will all make a commitment to be climbers. And I want to leave you with this last scripture out of James because I don't think it is any surprise to us that the world is getting darker. It's not going to get any lighter because that's part of the, the word of the Lord. He says in the last days, things are going to get dark. But of those of us who stay in the light, the Bible says, arise and shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you and great kings and queens will be drawn to the brightness of your rising. So it's important that we stay in position. It's important that you don't camp. It's important that you don't quit. It's important that you keep climbing, that you get brighter and brighter and brighter because that's God's word to us. 
He says that the paths of the righteous get brighter and brighter even until the noonday sun. So, I want to read to you from James. And I think, okay, here it is. James chapter 1. And it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person who, do, who is divided in loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And so I'm saying to you, make a commitment to be a climber. Make a commitment to know the ways of God. Make a commitment to be planted in the house of the Lord. Because the Bible says those who are planted flourish. You cannot be flip-floppy, wishy-washy, here today, gone tomorrow, and expect to flourish. You have to be planted. Make your election sure. And make a covenant commitment with the Lord this morning that it doesn't matter what comes my way. It doesn't matter what fire I walk through. Still, I will not bend and I will not bow because my God will deliver me. And so I stand with you today a picture of restoration. Of how God restores everything that was broken and lost. And the most beautiful thing about this is that Terry's mom remains a part of my life. And she'll be walking me down the aisle. And, uh, but, but I think what, it, what more than anything I want you to know is that when you honor God's ways, God will always honor you. And so I just want to bless you. You'll see me from time to time, but this will be my last time with you. Uh, I'll be returning a married woman. <laughs> We're going to take a moment to uh, just pray for Abby. So if um, you want to come forward, some of you, um, not all of you, because we don't fit up here, but uh, those of you who'd like to come up, let's pray. Father, we thank you for who 
Abby and Scott and Bruce. Father, how you just freely spill out of her life and that you've touched us all through her love and that your love has shined upon us. Amen. Father, she is embarking on this new transition, new journey. God, I pray even more power to be upon her. Father, that as she has transformed us here and changed us and brought love and wisdom to us, God, I pray yes, that that now would go to the rest of the world. Amen. Father, that not just in Langley, God, but that you would reach many people through Abby. Amen. Yes, Father, Lord. that you would provide opportunities for new books. Father, that you would provide teaching opportunities, uh, mentorships, God, that um, her ministry would just grow and grow, Father, Amen. so that your love can continue to spill out. Thank you, In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Father, I just thank you for Abby and who she is. Thank you for the gift that you brought to us, God. At the Junction Church, you brought Abby to us. So I just want to praise you, God, and I just want to thank you, God. You are so good, and your gifts are so incredible. Yes, Lord. Thank you for Abby. I've never, ever met anybody like Abby in my life, Father. So I just thank you for showing us, showing me, showing this church family, and everybody that she touches, my family, my husband, my kids, everybody, everybody in this community, Father. Amen. This is who you are. This is this is the, the bar was raised so high with yes, Abby. Yes. That you have so so much more for us. Yes. That we were living so small. Jesus. And I just thank you that you used Abby to show us, Father. Yes. That there is so much more. You have so much more for us. That's right. Your love for us. Amen. And that we would grow, we would continue to grow, Father, in our identity that Abby began to teach us. Yes. That, Father, that you would teach us, continue to teach us, Lord God. That we would just spring forth on that, that we would understand, have a bigger, there's so much more for us to learn in who we are and who you are in us, Father. That you would just grow that. That we know, I already know already, hands down, you're going to be doing that in Langley. Amen. And the blessing on Langley, I just see yes. the blessing on Langley. Yes, Thank you, God, and that you just bless Abby so much. Amen. Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we, we thank you for your ability to restore, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, you do it in such a wonderful way that you don't just mend us, oh God, Father, but you make us anew. Amen. Yes, Lord. You change, oh God, Father, us. And you make us brand new, Lord, yes. Father. Father, as we sang this morning, you are the way maker, oh God. Yes, you are. Even when we can't see it, you're working. And when yes, we can't Lord. feel it, you're working, Lord. You never stop. You never stop moving, oh God. Yes, Lord. That's right. Father God, we pray right now for Abby, for her substance, oh God, that you would increase it, oh God, Father. Not her possessions, oh God, but Father, who she is and who you are in her, oh God, Father, in the name of Jesus. Increase, oh God, for the anointing that she's leaving here, oh God, Father. I pray that you would increase it, oh God, Father, where she goes in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. You said that we should let our light shine, that man would see our good works and glorify you, oh God, Father. Amen. And we know, oh God, she has shone brightly here, oh God, yes. Father. Yes, I pray that you would raise her tower, oh God, Father, yes. above Langley in the name of yes. Jesus, yes. oh God, Father. And bring that city, oh God, to Christ, oh God, Jesus. Amen. As she works, oh God, you work, oh God, Father. I pray, oh God, Jesus, for her union, oh God, Father, that you would bless it in the name of Jesus, and they will work as a couple as well for you. 
Through you, oh God, Father. In Jesus' name, oh God. Jesus. Thank you. I want to thank you, Father God, for Abby, for the wonderful presence of being she's been in so many lives. And I'm so grateful for a confident a friend, and I'm going to miss her. And she is so smart, and you use her so well. And you, can, you can solve a problem with her lips in just one sentence. I don't know how, how she does that or how you do it. Supernatural. Thank Supernatural. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for Abby. And thank you for Peter. And thank you for the yes. new union. Thank you, Lord. Father, we too can be angels. What is it? Can we look at can we look at ourselves and ask ourselves, or could you reveal to us um, what's holding us back? What's holding us back from being your instrument? Can we remove those um, remove those areas of our life, and can we be more uh, just more instrument yours, Father? Shatu yaha purohia Baruchatana lohimaye Aye Lohatanoye Yahame Father, we thank you for Abby's yes. Yes. We thank you for the power of yes. Amen. We thank you for the price that she has paid in her life. Price of saying yes, the cost, the cost that she's paid in her life to be broken open for you, and we bless those places in her, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you redeem, you restore, and you bring it back life multitude times over. And we do bless, we bless these giant size doors that she's walking into their golden Amen. Thank you, Lord. They're not of this world. They're, they're, I don't see doors like that on Kingdom this earth. Kingdom doors. Kingdom doors. doors. Yes. But more so, we bless Peter. <laughs> <laughs> we just hold up Peter. Yeah. Yes. Get yeah, ready for the fire, Peter. <laughs> Yes, Lord. So, Father, on behalf of the Junction Church, we just release Abby. Yes, Lord. Uh, to this next season, this next calling. Uh, we know uh, she will continue walking with her with blessing. So, God, uh, we just, from the bottom of all of our hearts, we say thank you, God, for how she has shaped this place. Thank you, God, for her, uh, her challenges and, and, God, how uh, she has uh, set many of us, God, in, in, in the right path. Thank you, Father. Bless you, Father. In Jesus' name.
sometime after the service to Acosta to have you hug us. It's going to do a short 10-minute uh, uh, devotion on uh, the current series we're doing, and then we're going to get on to a couple testimonies. Uh, we're in a series called Your Purpose and, and Calling, and we started that uh, last week. And um, remember, we talked about this, this verse in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, uh, God says, for we are God's masterpiece, or his handiwork, or his poetry, or uh, his, uh, his special work. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Uh, this idea that we all have, we actually have purpose in our life. Uh, there's not a single person in this room who doesn't have a purpose, uh, who doesn't have a calling. And sometimes the, the lie of the enemy or even just the own thing, uh, things that we tell ourselves, maybe because of our, our circumstances, we can get trapped sometimes in thinking that I don't have a purpose or I don't have a calling or that I'm a mistake or that I've messed up my life so much that there's no, there's no longer anything left for me left. There's no purpose. I've, I've messed it all up. And it's never too late. Uh, God always has a plan. He always has a purpose. He can always, he's like a GPS. If you get off track, you can always just... He'll bring you back. Uh, there's a calling and a purpose on your, your life. And um, we define that a little bit. And uh, one of the ways we define, it, define the idea of calling or purpose or vision or destiny, however you want to say it, is we look at the difference between hobby, job, and calling. And we all have hobbies. This is something that we enjoy, uh, but does not necessarily help and serve people. Nothing wrong with hobbies. Hobbies are good. We need things that refresh us and rejuvenate us. Uh, but your life is not your hobby. Uh, you're, you're, I mean, you can't spend your whole life just doing your hobby. We were called to help and serve people. Um, unless your calling is your hobby, and that's probably possible. There is your job, and job uh, is something that you do for income, but does not necessarily have your heart. Now, some people's calling is their job, but for most people, they have to work at a job to sort of fund their calling. So they go to work, and they might enjoy their work. They may be good at their job, uh, but it doesn't really have their heart. They're not, they're not like, oh, thank you that it's Monday. I get to go to work. You know, most people are like, oh, it's Monday. I got to go to work because it doesn't really have your heart. Uh, we need money to live, but that's not, not necessarily our calling. Our calling, though, is something that God has wired you for, has your heart, and makes a difference in this world. That is your calling. That is the purpose and why you are unique. This is why you don't look like other people. That God has shaped you in a specific way because there's a specific calling on your life. And for most of us here, we will have to go to work, have a job, and that'll fund our ability to volunteer or carry out some sort of calling in some unique way. Now, there are people here who their calling is their job. If they go to work and their heart is in it and they're making a difference in the world through their job and they actually get paid for their calling. But some of us maybe don't have, have that privilege. And so hobby, job, calling. We talked about that all last week. We look at the idea of calling in the Bible, how there's three different kinds of calling. That there's the calling to salvation. Uh, that God all wants every single person to live as a child of God. To live as a loved son and daughter who is taking part in the love and the goodness of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is where we get our identity from. This is where all life flow, uh, flows out of is this idea of, of God is calling you into a relationship with him. And then we talked about this idea of a general call. 
uh, that God has this general call upon all of us. He's called us to be people who just love and serve. Uh, whoever's in front of us, whatever we run into, if there is a place where we can love and serve, that that is what we are to do. And then there is a specific calling in our life, that God's called to use our specific gifts to love and serve people. And, uh, and we talked about this idea that sometimes we can get stressed out about trying to find our call. You know, I gotta find, find my purpose, I gotta find my call, and I get super stressed out. But uh, we saw that most of the time in the Bible, people did not try to find their call, that their call actually found them. And if you are living out your general calling just to love and serve people, often your calling will find you. Often you'll run into it, you'll run into something that grabs your heart, and all of a sudden you begin to realize why God created you unique. Why you don't look like other people. Because God has a calling and a purpose on your life. And I just want to talk about one quick thing today that um, will help you recognize when, when you run into your calling. And it is something that uh, Christians sometimes call a holy discontent. And that is this. It is an aspect of this broken world that when you see it, touch it, get near it, it grabs your heart. It is a heart's cry that matches God's heart cry that says things just should not be this way. It is an issue that is calling you off the couch and into action. I mean, maybe you're just volunteer, volunteering somewhere, and all of a sudden there's an aspect of the people you're serving and loving that just grabs your heart and you just say, man, this could be better. Uh, things shouldn't be this way. Things should be like this, and it gives you vision or purpose or hope. Or, or maybe you're out in the business world, and there's an aspect of your business uh, the business world that just grabs your heart and you just say, you know, things could be just better in this area and this could serve people better and it grabs your heart. I mean, there could be a million things that could be your holy discontent, but often whatever kind of ticks you off in this world may be where God is calling you. It may be where God is saying, you know, this is what you were created for. Uh, there's a story in the Bible that illustrates that, and that is the story of Nehemiah. Uh, in around 600 BC, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. The Babylonians who were in power, uh, they came in in a series of attacks. And each time they attacked, they would uh, take some people captive and bring them back to, back to Babylon. If you know the story of Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, the guys who ended up in the furnace, well, Daniel didn't. But um, those were people taken in the first, the first captivity. But eventually, uh, Jerusalem was still kind of rebellious, and eventually the Babylonians came in and destroyed the whole city and the temple and they burnt it, and you know, people were taken to Babylon. But if you read through the book of Daniel, who was one of the captives, uh, some period in there, the Persians took over from the Babylonians, and now the Persians were in, in power. And the Persian king decided he would allow some of the captives to go back to the city and rebuild it. And so they go back about 70 years later, and they begin to rebuild the temple, and they do so, and they rebuild parts of the city, and things look wonderful for a little while, but then everything kind of falls apart again. And there, there's no wall around the city, and people are attacking them still, and, and they've lost their spiritual energy, and everything is broken. And this is where Nehemiah comes in. If you read the book of Nehemiah, it starts this way. It says, in late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the twelfth year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. Now, now Nehemiah was actually, his job was the cupbearer. That's his job. Didn't have his heart, wasn't excited about it, but that's his job, just like we have jobs. 
And so his brother Hanani, one of his brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, this is Nehemiah saying, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah is just doing his job, loving and serving the king and those around him. And all of a sudden, one day, his calling runs into him. One day, something, he hears this news and it grabs his heart. And, and it, it didn't grab anybody else's heart because this was Nehemiah's calling. All of a sudden, Nehemiah felt his heart break for the people of Jerusalem. And if you read the rest of the story, he eventually goes and does something about it. But, but this is a holy discontent. You're just walking through life and loving and serving people, and all of a sudden you hear something, you see something, you come across something that grabs your heart, and all of a sudden you begin to say, "Think this is not the way it should be. I think it should be like this, and I have a dream that things could be turned around, and that is often your calling. Uh, Jesus, we see, uh, at times when he would run into crowds, he said that he would have compassion on the people. Again, Jesus had this calling to the broken and to the hurting. It would just, it would grab his heart and he had compassion on them. What in this world grabs your heart? What is your holy discontent? So when you find that out, often you will begin to realize the calling that is on your life. And as we close this short thought here, just a couple questions. Is there a tension in your heart between what is and what should be and could be? This could be in a million different areas. Maybe you show up at church and there's something you see here and say, you know, things could be much better than they are. And you just, you're passionate about making a difference there. Maybe it's the idea of, of being more encouraging or welcoming or the children or the teens or the elderly or me or whatever it might be. I don't know. Uh, but is there a tension between what is and like, man, I, I could see God do something amazing here. Is there a brokenness in this world that you find yourself often thinking about? Maybe it's poverty. Maybe it's hungry kids. Maybe uh, it's, it's addiction or whatever. A million, it, could, it could be a million things. Is there something that, you just caught, that you're just often thinking about saying, this is not the way it should be. It's got to be like this, that maybe God's calling on your life. Well, what is one aspect of this broken world that when you see it, touch it, get near it, it grabs your heart? Or a simple question, what issue or need around you just ticks you off? Because sometimes when you get angry at a situation, like, this is not the way it should be. If that matches up with God's heart, this just may be God's calling on your life. Because often you are going to be passionate about those areas that God is calling you, you to. And uh, we'll continue this thought in a couple weeks on this idea of Nehemiah and what he does with this. But just to leave you with today, maybe begin to think about, is, is there a holy discontent in your life? Is there an issue? Is there a people group? Is there a situation? Is there something in this world that just grabs your heart and God is just whispering, this is what I've created you for? You can make a difference in this, in this area. So, Father, we just ask that as we live out our general calling to love and serve people, 
God, that you would just begin to release more clarity when it comes to our, our specific calling. God, would you create awareness in our heart about those things that, that are broken, that, that you want us to, to get engaged with? God, would you lead us to our holy discontent? In Jesus' name. But we're going to move on to uh, baptisms. If you're brand new here and you're like, what is baptism? Uh, baptism is basically a uh, kind of outward demonstration of what is going on in someone's heart. Uh, it's kind of in some ways like a, a wedding. In fact, I'm doing a wedding after the service today. Um, uh, but a wedding is, you know, two people who are in love and they have this outward demonstration of their, their commitment to each other. And baptism in many ways is like that, where someone has opened up their heart to God and they begin to sense the transforming work of God and, and, and they begin to experience God and they're saying, you know, I love this and I want to commit to this. And it's kind of an outward demonstration of an inward reality. And so we take someone when they're baptized, we take them over to the water and we'll bring them backwards towards the water. And this, this illustrates this connection with, with the death of Jesus. And as Jesus died on the cross, there is something supernatural inside of us that, that, that connects with that. There's a part of us when we open our heart to God that, that dies. It's not the good part. It, it's the, the ugliness inside begins to melt and, and die within us. And so that illustrates that. And when they go under the water, it resembles the cleansing of God. Now you really are in God completely forgiven. Wash clean. There is no more guilt. There is no more shame. And sometimes we put that on ourselves or the enemy puts it on or other people put it on, but God won't put it on you because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so that illustrates the washing of shame and guilt and, and, and that old life. And then we've raised them up to new life. This is a picture of, of someone being raised with Christ. Christ. That we've been cleansed, but also God fills us with his presence and and this gives us new new life and strength and so that's the short idea of what what baptism is and so one thing we ask people who are baptized in our church and uh, it's not mandatory uh, but we say it'll be great if you could share just a quick story of what god has done in your life or how you were introduced to god or why you want to be baptized and um and so that's what we're going to do so i'm going to invite kelly up here kelly is going to come share with us kelly's going to be baptized today how I got to know God in the way I could, and um, I just 
wanted more and I wanted to see him through other people and I wanted to give back and I wanted to be less about me and more about um, the love of people. And um, so I started that journey and um, I haven't looked back. About six months ago, no, pardon me, maybe uh, July again, actually, um, I started to feel a distance. And um, I had spent in that six years uh, going through uh, um, indigenous ceremonies and trying to find God in different ways of prayer and getting closer. And I just, I was just losing, uh, losing touch, I felt. And then um, about July, um, I had a revelation that I needed to know God, um, that I was, um, I was losing him. And, um, and so I started to bring in sermons on YouTube and I started to read the book with my fiance and uh, the Bible. I started to bring scripture into my life. And then I came here and, um, and what it was said during worship about joy, that's how I felt. I felt like we were praising God and that this was the words I needed to hear and the excitement I needed to have back in my life. And the missing piece was Jesus. And um, so that's why I'm here today. I desire to be baptized and um, I'm really grateful you can witness it. So thank you. And um, we're going to hear a testimony from Michael. And uh, one of the options I give people, if you're really too scared to come up here, that you can either film it or get someone else to read it. So uh, Michael, uh, he filmed this. And just got to apologize because the audio isn't as best as it could be. But you'll be able to make out what he was saying. So uh, we'll play Michael's testimony. I'm feeling really right now because I don't do well in front of uh, audiences. I know this is a recording, but it's like, to me, thinking, how am I going to sound? How do I look on this camera? How is the audio going to come out? I, I have so many questions running through my head. But, so, hi, my name is Michael. And ever since I was a young child, which I'm still pretty young. I was brought to an Anglican church and I was with my grandmother. I did not go to church on a regular basis as I do now. But when I did go, it was never regularly. It was only maybe once or twice a month. And when, when I was around seven or eight, started thinking if I wanted to continue in the path of Jesus or if I wanted to not and just continue life on a regular, regular um, way. Um, so I, I took a couple years to think and think and think and really um, while I was thinking I did go to church with my grandmother in Nelson and then, oh, and then, when I was in grade nine, I met Marie Lurch, I think for the first time. Well, the day, that day, I still remember it, I think. I think it was actually a, at breakfast for learning over at Mount Sentinel, so which was last year. And she told me 
to come out to a Friday Night You. And I was like, okay, somebody I just met is telling me to come out to a youth night. And at first, I was scared. I was so scared. I did not know what was going to happen. <laughs> I don't know why I was scared, but I just had a scared feeling inside of me. Um, but after a couple weeks of going, Marie told me to come to, that she wanted me to be the sound person for the, um, Friday Night Youth. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll do that. So she told me on a Thursday lunch, after Thursday lunch for craft dinner, she told me, should come tonight to the worship worship practice and I was like I'm meeting more people <laughs> that I didn't know Marie told me she didn't go there so I was like okay but I was told Tristan was there so I had somebody that I kind of knew at the time and that's where I met awesome band that we just heard playing and I was like whoa I was like okay this is a church I was in shock because I I never I was never brought up in a church that had a live band with a piano and so the piano and drums and guitar and electric guitar and all that stuff so, so I was amazed, and I was wonderful. I was like astonished, and I can't remember. It was either Michael, the other, the Michael or the um, Robin, one of the two sound guys that at the time told me to come out to a prayer summit and to do slideshow to do the the song lyrics on on the. And I was like, okay, I'll come. And then that person was like, sick, you should come out and do this on Sunday. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I started watching the live streams, actually. After that, I started watching the old past live streams. And Pastor Jesse... His sermons were inspiring and they didn't put me to sleep. Like, <laughs> so Jesse turns it interesting to me and it makes me actually think, wow, I actually pay attention for once. Um, I've been going to this church now almost a year. It'll be a year of February. February is something. So we're just going to say that sometime in February will be my year, one year of being a part of this church. And I've grown up relationships with the worship team, Jesse, Marie, our amazing administrative, administrator, Rhonda, at the office. And I was like, okay. And I've been doing sound now for a while, and live stream, and slideshow. Um, as I look back on my life as I was, I realized I wasn't as emotional as I am today. There's sometimes 
we're talking about Jesus or God brings me to tears like I am right now. And uh, so, and I think it is good that I'm getting more emotional with this and being with more talking about this. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. If, I, I don't think if it was for me coming to this church, I wouldn't be the self, my, the self I am, the person I am today. Um, the path that I have taken was scary, and I found my identity in Jesus. I found my identity in the real world, and I found, I found myself. And I can't wait till I'm baptized. so involved that I call him the assistant pastor over there. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we are going to uh, close with a song, and then I'll kind of close our official service, but I know many of you will stick around for the baptism, and so I call the worship team up. And so we're going to just close with the service, just for sake of some of your parents with little kids, and then um, right after we're going to make our way over and we'll uh, baptize Kelly and, and Michael. So let's stand together.
these baptisms that we're about to witness, that they're declaring you to be their cornerstone, that you are the one that they will build their life on, God. I pray that we would just surround them with love and support, and that uh, this, this day would just mark a new beginning, a new life in you for them, Jesus. I thank you, and uh, just praise you for this, God. We love you. We honor you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. On to the baptisms. Yeah. On to the baptisms. <laughs>